What is good, all of our listeners and viewers? Welcome to another episode of Games and Groceries. My name is Adam. And I'm Liz. And we are not gatekeeping you from this episode. Hey! Oh dear. Let's go. No gatekeeping here because it is time to talk about gate gatekeeping gamers with good game great game oh, on yeah. games and groceries. So wow. many G's were basically the G unit here. No. No? No, this is bad. That's we're not the G unit. You're not allowed to talk anymore. What is the G I, unit? You're not allowed to talk anymore. What is fifty cent? Oh dear. Do we have fifty cents? Yes, on our dresser. Hey, cool. So, Liz, how you doing? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? I don't know. I, have, I don't have anything this week. You're just good. You're alive. You're breathing. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm surviving. I'm ready for fall and Thanksgiving and Christmas. Very true. Very it's true. It's this time of year that I start getting that itch for Christmas. Yeah. I love the holidays. It starts with Thanksgiving. and just, yes, love it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting that itch. Today's my sister's birthday. Oh, yeah. It's also the, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's your sister's <laughs> birthday. Woo! Yeah. Just thought I put it out there. Right on. So <laughs> let's uh, give more time to our guest today because, as I said in the intro, we are talking about gatekeeping gamers with good game, great game, just with Zach uh, and Andrew. Kevin could not be here, but that's okay. But we are going to be talking about gatekeeping gamers with our guests today. But before we get to that, we're going to have our first segment. But before we get to our first segment, let's talk about our social media pages. We have a Twitter. It's at Gaming Groceries. This is the official Twitter handle of the podcast slash YouTube channel. So you can follow us there. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer. And I'm at Journey First. So you can follow us there and be friends with us. Put us in your top five in your MySpace page. And what? we have an Instagram. We don't have a MySpace page. We have an Instagram, though. Uh, games and groceries, all one word, and you can follow us there for uh, questions of the week, which I will put out every Friday into Sunday, and uh, gaming memes and behind the scenes photos. So definitely check us out on Instagram, games and groceries, all one word. You can check out our website as well, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all of the episodes from the website, as well as find out where you can listen to the audio versions of the website, as well as uh, someday I will get back to writing articles again. But right now, life is pretty crazy because I quit my job and we're moving. Wow. So maybe after Christmas. Yeah. Our dog is on the table. Get down. Hey, get down. Down. Well, he knows we're recording, so that's why he thinks he can He's get away. He's like, I can do whatever <clears throat> I want because you can't get up. Anyways, so you can check it out on website. And then finally, if you're watching us on YouTube, definitely give us a like and uh, <laughs> a like and share. If you enjoyed this full episode, share with uh, with a loved one, as well as uh, consider subscribing and hitting that notification bell so that you can get updated when all of the podcasts come out on YouTube. And if you're listening to us on the audio versions, definitely give us a review on iTunes, uh, wherever. Uh, I think you can give on Podchaser as well. So if you can give us a review, uh, your honest uh, star feedback, as well as anything else you would like us to accomplish here. I am tired. I don't think you even did our personal Twitters yet. Yeah, I did. Did you? Did Ace I say Grocer. mine? Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't remember doing So before we crash and burn, <laughs> let's just jump into... <laughs> let's just jump into our first segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw in the past week, and we like to rank it 3, 2, 1, just to give you a condensed version of what's going on in the gaming industry. And let's just jump in with our number three gaming news and After Party 
Night School's next game, Night School, of course, being the creators of Oxenfree, After Party has a release date. October 29th. That's coming up soon. That is soon. They they um Yeah. released their release date really late yeah. for a game. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I kept waiting for uh a release date to come out. It's like, oh, to be to be announced, to be announced. And now uh as you listen to this episode, uh the date is September twenty second. No, 23rd. Honey, it's right on your computer. No, as they're listening to it. Oh, as they're listening Because to the it, secret is, is that we are recording this beforehand. So, September uh, September 23rd, and yeah. the game is coming out one month later after announcement. But let's talk about this as my dog licks my elbow. For Loki, some... you're being obnoxious. So, uh, after the success of Oxenfree, which sold 1.5 million copies. Hi, buddy. Uh, 1.5 million copies. Night School is releasing a new game with the same flavor. So I appreciate that. Why did they have to use the same? No, I used that in my notes. Why do you have to use the word flavor? I'm hungry. (laughs) After Party will have the same conversational systems that will change the way uh, that the story plays out, that relationships. It's going to be in the same way as Oxenfree, where the decisions you make in conversations actually affect Mm. the story. Nice. So it's it's in the same uh, flavor as Night School Studios, but it's in a different art style, different kind of story. Um, and we have a quote here. We have a quote here from one of the founders of um, Night School Studios, Sean Crankle. I hope I said that last name right. Uh, says this. We've spent the last few years building a world, story, and mechanics that allow players to star in their own dark comedy. Uh, we hope fans of our games and uh, we hi buddy. We hope fans of our games and binge-worthy adult animations alike will join Lola and Milo on October 29th in their quest to escape hell. So that's really exciting. Um, that we've been waiting for this game. At least fans of Oxenfree have. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have been waiting because ele- 1.5 million copies. There's people waiting for this game to come out. So, yeah. Uh, are you excited? I am excited. Is it? Is this also a side scroll? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because I think I figured out why Oxenfree and games like After Party yeah. are your favorite. Why? Because they are just like the narrative-driven games that we play, like Life is Strange, where everything affects yeah. things. Mm-hmm. But it's also a side scroll. I do like side-scrolling games. So, it's like two of your favorite things. I grew up with side-scrolling games. Yeah. They, they are my favorites. Did most people our age. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that that's why the, you are so attracted to these games because it has everything you like about modern games and everything you like about your old games. Right. So, but yeah, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is unfortunate that it's coming out like a week before we move and well, it's all coming our out stuff the, will be in boxes. <laughs> well, it's coming out the Tuesday. So yeah. I'm going to probably pull an all-nighter <laughs> and just play it through. Because if it's anything like Oxenfree, oh, it's yeah. going to be a short game. Yeah, it'll be short and it'll be fun. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be just playing it the day it comes out, pulling an all-nighter. Boom. Let's go. But it's going to be exciting. And it's coming out on Game Pass. So that's oh, really cool. Yeah. So it's going to be... So you already have it. Yeah. I already own it. But it's only going to be $20 for everybody else. That's not bad. Yeah. $20. And it's on Game Pass. That's really cool. And I think they said they're, they're looking to release it on Switch, but they didn't give any details about that. Ooh. So... Uh, but yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, After Party finally has a release date, October 29th. So mark that on your calendars. 
uh, especially you Game Pass users. If you have not played Oxenfree, that's also on Game Pass. If you and you need to get on that. I don't yeah. even know why you're listening to this if you haven't played Oxenfree Exactly. Yet. We can't be friends if you haven't played Oxenfree. Like, Life is Strange and Oxenfree, those are two requirements to listen yeah. to this podcast. Actually, Zach, our guest today, he has not played Oxenfree, but well, Andrew why has. Why is he allowed on here then? Uh, we are going to ask him later on. But let's move on to our number two gaming news. Uh, Bioware. Hi, Bioware. Bioware abandons all current plans for post-launch content of Anthem in lieu for uh, seasonal challenges. So let's talk about this. Uh, Chad Robertson, who is the head of live services over at Bioware, uh, has announced in a blog post for Bioware that uh, this change, that they were going to have kind of acts right mm-hmm. here uh act segments there was three separate acts that come out yeah. to kind of like uh expound the story expound Conti- the world like continue yeah almost. it sounded a lot like uh division where division has these kind of act stories yeah. where they had the underground and yeah. all this but instead of those they want to focus that they said they want to focus on more tweaks balancing tweaks here okay um yeah so just updates and fixes right got it and um I, I mean, that's okay. Uh, let me just read this quote that he has. This is from his blog post. Uh, this is Chad Robertson. Uh, he says this. In order to address these long-range plans, we are moving away from the act structures for our updates. Instead, we have additional seasonal updates planned for this year that we think players will enjoy. These events will deliver challenges and chases similar to what you've seen and are built around some fun themes we're bringing to the game. So it seems like it's it's still things that are con- like pushing the game forward. Yeah. But just on a smaller scale, like not mm-hmm. so extravagant. Yeah, and it's fine because he's also saying that like he wants to focus on combat balance and all this he 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 just says that like listen we're we're not going to do these uh big dlcs anymore we yeah. we want to focus on the little things and mm-hmm. i i'm not an anthem player at all in fact when i played the demo i was like i'm not a fan of this i'm not really a fan of any kind of live service games even the division two i wasn't mm-hmm. a huge fan of i did not yeah. like fallout 76 and it's for this reason mm-hmm. where the game completes itself post-launch yeah and i don't want to do that especially for people who are early adopters to anthem who are really looking forward to it Mm -hmm. i know a good amount and it was dead on arrival yeah and this this announcement kind of comes out and just to say that like oh well listen all all you who had faith in this game yeah we're we're just going to be sprinkling in some little updates as well as some fun theme events yeah, because it goes back to what we were saying when 76 came out, is that mm-hmm. they feel like it's okay to put out a half-finished game Yeah, and charge you full price for it Yeah, and say, ah, we'll fix it later. And that's not right because no. back in the good old days, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't do that. You had to finish the game mm-hmm. or you sold a terrible product and that was the end of it. That was Those were your options. And I don't understand why games are more expensive now when you get less of a finished game. Yeah. It's or a, you get less of a game in general. It's ridiculous. It is a little ridiculous of what they're doing here. But you know what? At least they're giving some support. Yeah, they're abandoning their plans, but at least they're giving you something. Yeah. It's not a complete abandonment, but it yeah. is 
it's very it's very much a shame because there have been mm-hmm. a lot of people who were looking forward to this game. Yeah. I was looking forward to it just because of Bioware. Yeah. But that's about it. So uh, let's move forward with our number one gaming news, though. And this is very interesting. And I got something to say on my last note here. <laughs> but there were some PowerPoint slides given to uh, given to game. Let me just bring it up. Because it wasn't game industry, it was GameDaily.biz. GameDaily.biz had an exclusive uh, for some E3 2020 pitch proposing stuff. Uh, it's going to overhaul itself and make it more of a uh, fan media and influencer festival. And I actually called this in my E3, State of E3 article, which I will link down below if you would like to read that book that I that I wrote. Yeah, it was really long. I know. It was a long one. But at the at the conclusion, I said, listen, E3 might be, quote unquote, dying. Um, but if they turned it into a theme park kind of thing, a fun event. Like a festival. Like a festival. I think. Like the games festival. Yeah. But the way they're going about it, I was not picturing. The way ESA is going about this, uh, they want to bring in celebrity video game tournaments. And I think I read in the article, I will have all the articles linked down below. Uh, If you're watching us on YouTube, link down below. If you're listening to us on the audio, just look in the description. I have all the articles linked. And I, I definitely recommend giving this one a read because I believe I read this one correctly that they did not want to pay their celebrities. They, it's they, really hard getting celebrities to do things without getting paid. Yeah. It's um, kind of their living. I might have misread it, but I think it pretty much said that they want to invite celebrities instead of pay them. So instead of asking, they're inviting, saying, hey, we would love it if you would come out to do this. Yes. Okay. It, like, yeah. what type of celebrities are we talking about? Well, they, they like talk gamers? To, no. They, they want to bring out some L.A. Lakers. Oh, so just random big names so that people yeah. come to this festival. Uh, like one L.A. Laker, LeBron James. Oh, dear. And, uh, of course, Keanu Reeves probably will be there. And Aisha what? Tyler. I'm going to take that pen away from you. This is like the third week in a row you've used it as a weapon. Yeah. Aisha Tyler better be one of these celebrities. If Aisha Tyler doesn't at least poke her head out of a curtain and say, hello, Adam, from Games and Groceries, I will be livid. Okay. Livid. But uh, people are not a fan of this. Yeah. Because the ESA is so out of touch with what gamers actually want. That's a bit worrying here. Yep. That the way ESA is handling everything mm-hmm. like that huge leak of of uh people's information just going out there yeah uh the e3 has been dying for a reason because they are out of touch with what gamers want with this whole uh microtransaction thing and uh the esa said like oh well no it's not really gambling because you know there's there's parentals uh there's parental controls that's the esa uh the esa doesn't know what it's doing i forget who is in charge of the packs of PAX West and East. Uh, But if they were doing it, I was telling this to a Twitter follower of us. Uh, I forget who it was. But uh, I was saying, like, listen, if PAX was handling this, I think it would be fantastic. But this is Mm -hmm. the ESA we're talking about here. Now, the one thing I do want to talk about, one of the slides is talking about the social good. Oh, dear. And I want to read a little bit of it, give you some highlights. And this is why I do not like this. 
at all. And I don't think you should either. I don't think you should be fooled by this. So the slide reads, the power of social good. Uh, the PowerPoint uh, bullet points say this. Uh, research, research shows that millennials and Gen Z are the most, quote unquote, giving back, also, quote unquote, social good generations ever. By amplifying E3's social good brand, we can advance the industry brand with consumers while storing positive chits for the future use, uh, e.g. policy goals and negative video game story. Now, I'm not going to read the last one because it, it doesn't matter, but this, this third one, one tactic we can implement is partnering with influencers, uh, celebrities, athletes, YouTube personalities, uh, who are passionate about E3 relevant social good efforts gender equality, STEM, etc. Now, why I'm so mad about that, and I think you should be too, is the gender equality STEM. Now, I'm not trying to say this as a conserve. In fact, you already know me. You already know us. I don't care. We don't care. Yeah. We're, we're Green Party. What's aggravating about this is that they're using your emotional state of mm -hmm. what you actually care about and what you want to mm -hmm. fight for in terms of gender equality, STEM, and I'm sure they're going to be talking about, uh, okay, Adam, get this right, get this right, LGBTQ+, please tell me I didn't miss a letter, please don't hurt me. I think that's right. Yes. I, I think. I don't know them. <laughs> that. Yeah. Those things that you're fighting for, those things that you're actually striking a cause for mm -hmm. the ESA wants to use your emotional state to empower you to come to E3. They're emotionally abusing you. Basically you are, they are one tactic, one tactic. They, yeah. They even use the word tactics. Also what I, can I point out? Yeah. So this slide was made by ESA. Yes. That is a terrible slide and whoever is making those should be fired. Yes. That's the point I'm trying to make. I'm just that was just my point. As someone who whose job in college yeah. was to make the slides for um, songs and stuff. Yeah, this is a terrible slide. I majored in making slides, and that's terrible. Well, that's my thing. I'm done. Anyways, <laughs> um, but that's the thing is that um, one tactic we can implement and saying yeah. that like these are the things that you guys are fighting for. And they're yeah. going to say, come to E3 because we love you too. We love gender equality. Because we support what you support. No. They just want your money. Yeah. They just want your emotional heart. Don't fall for it. I mean, good for them if they're if they're actually authentic about this. Mm -hmm. But they put this in a PowerPoint slide to make ticket sales. Yeah. And this goes for everybody. This goes for all sorts of corporations mm -hmm. that try to fool you and trick you to say that we believe in the ways you believe. That's that's such a lie. And, yeah. and talking about early 2000s when presidents were always about like, we love Christians. We're praying. We're praying. And yeah. the Christian voters just flocked to it. Whereas me, actually, I wasn't a Christian yet. But I saw right You also it. didn't vote yet. I also didn't vote yet. But that's the thing is that like yeah. they're just manipulating yeah. you because that's the popular vote. Yeah. And that's what get ticket sales. Don't believe it. Um, and it just kind of makes me frustrated because there are people yeah. who are suffering and actually trying to get these things yeah. to get into place like gender equality, like the STEM programs, but they're using you to get ticket sales. Yeah. So, um, all right. Enough of that rant. If you would like to correct me, 
uh, my Twitter handle is at Journey First, so you can hey. go. Oh, oh, sorry. Um, so that's enough out of me. I can go one on of these a, days. We'll go into an interview on a good note. Yeah, probably Maybe. never. I don't know anymore. Probably not. I'm in a bad mood anyway. Oh. <laughs> well, no, it's just, I'm not in a bad mood. It's um, yeah, quitting my job and what went yeah. down. It's just, just been a long couple weeks for us. It has. And, so and pardon see, our attitudes. And to see that, it's just like, it's such a... It, yeah. It's sh- such a shame. Thank you, Adam. There Thank you, go, Adam's Adam. brain. But let's get into some good notes. Come on, Adam. Get happy. Okay, I'm happy now. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank you. Is that you. all it takes? Happy. All right. So let's just welcome in our guests because they're also in it for these STEM programs. They're also in it to keep away those gatekeeping gamers going pow, pow, and they're fighting them off. But let's bring them right in because we're going to get to know them a little bit better with our interview section. Let's bring them in. Let's bring in Zach and Andrew from Good Game, Great Game. It's interview time. All right, everybody. We are back with our guests for today. They are some good boys talking about some gatekeeping gaming. But before we get to that segment, why don't we introduce them? So we will start off by whoever wants to start. Introduce yourselves. It's, just, it's very kind that you called us good. Yeah. Uh, before we've even done anything here today. Well, I know you're good boys. I, I, I morality is out there for everyone to hear. <laughs> if you just want to let my mom know that I'm a good boy, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> mom, if you're listening right now, we're doing fine. <laughs> uh, so we have uh, the uh, the boys from Good Game, Great Game. First, we have Andrew Orsi. We're going to go in alphabetical order. Yay. <laughs> Andrew, no, that makes sense. how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you're really feeding into it right now yeah, yeah i gotta in the room is just so good yeah. yeah we have to lean in and we also have zach rich who has never played oxen free zach how you doing Never played oxen free never finished last of us there's a lot of things Ooh. on my checklist to do did you start last of us i started it i got into i think like the fall season uh when, when they when they shoot the rabbit with the with the bow. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know you got that. Far. I saw. Mm-hmm. I believe that's all I've done. I this is really uh, uh, odd to me because between Good Game, Great Game, and a theater podcast I used to run, mm. I've been hosting podcasts for a little over two years now. But this is the first time where I'm not in the driver's seat, and that's very weird to me. So yeah. apologies <laughs> if I start like encroaching on your territory. Oh, uh, that's totally. That's all, that's all I know. That's all I know. Well, that, that's how I was like when I was on your podcast. Um, I, I'm so used to listening to you guys. And so I was just on my headphones just listening to you guys um, just, just talk and ramble. I'm like, oh, wait, right. I'm on here, too. That's right. <laughs> there, were moments, there were moments in the middle of that episode where I was like, we need to include the guests. We need to include the guests. And instead, it's the three boobs just sitting around like <laughs> shooting the shit about our history as friends. And, and Adam's just over here being like, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have friends. It's good. It's good. <laughs> so once again, we have the good boys. Uh, now, now they're great boys from Good Game, Great Game. Uh, but we want to get them. Uh, we want to get to know them a little bit better with our interview section. So let's just jump right into it. With our first question, is that you both are actually in the theater arts. You're both into uh, acting and other sorts of. Oh, what's the word? I was going to put up the uh, Shakespearean uh, thespian. thespian? 
thespian. There we go. Thespian culture. Yes. So I want to ask you guys, uh, what plays and shows inspired you to take this path? I guess podcasters? No, as uh, theater people. Oh, like sure. What shows inspired uh, you? For me, I had a crush on a girl. Oh. And I wanted to impress her. So I decided to start auditioning for plays to impress her. <laughs> and I never got the girl, but no. I did find kind of the first thing I thought that I was good at outside of video games. And it was mm. the first time I found a, a culture mm. that I felt like I could thrive in. And that's why I decided to pursue it in college. That's why I moved to New York in the first place. Um, has changed over the years after I tried to make it a career as most things that people try to yeah. do to make money. You kind of learn that you don't love it as much anymore, but mm. you know, it's, it's still there. It's a huge part of me. And I remember watching hot ones last night. They just started yes. the new season and Shia LaBeouf Shia was LaBeouf. on it. Yes. And he was talking about a lot of the schools and disciplines of acting that we were talking about in college. And it was mm. just a nice reminder that like, yeah, this is important stuff. This is the history of art and culture, and it's good stuff to know. Right on. So, Andrew, similar story or very different um, story? Actually, like, really similar. So mine started when I had a crush on a boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, not actually even kidding. Um, yeah. I was Kind of the same person. <laughs> it was actually the same human. We were crushing on the same person. We were crushing oh. on the same person. <laughs> they were gender fluid. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, I was at, like, a... This was high school, and I went to a summer camp. Yeah. Uh, and by summer camp, it was more like a leadership kind of camp, because I was, like, this nerdy academic kid in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I... And as an adult... Yeah. yeah, that hasn't really changed, but like, yeah, I'm more interesting now. Uh, I like to think. <laughs> he likes to think. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. <laughs> um, so I went to this camp and I ended up going to like the arts based branch just because mm. I was interested in music. So I went purely for music stuff because yeah. I grew up in a musical family and that just sort of like ran through my veins. Yeah. Um, but then this boy there it was actually the first time I ever came out to anybody. He like came to the group of friends I made at the camp, asked if I was gay. And I was like, um, um, <laughs> but I ended up like <laughs> coming out there a little bit to a few people, obviously yeah, pretty uh, minimally, but I did it. And he was there for theater. And so then there was this day where they were like, we're all going to go to a different seminar session and you're going to go based on your artistic discipline. So if you're, architecture go over here if your visual arts go over here if your music go over here if your theater go over here hmm. and i like looked at the music room and then i watched him go into the theater room and i said oh well and went into the theater room <laughs> <laughs> and that was like when I, I would like apply to a bunch of colleges to be a music major and of course they were all like major conservatories mm. uh really hard to get into the kind of thing where like sixteen thousand people will audition and they're gonna take 30 at most yeah kind of thing. Uh, and I didn't get in because I hadn't really been training as like I had been singing, but I hadn't been training for my entire life like many of these people. Mm. So I ended up going to a smaller school that did not even have a music major. Mm. So I went with theater instead. And then while I was there, um, it was funny because the first year, my theater professor sort of <laughs> in a very subtle, kind way was trying to tell me he didn't think I had the chops mm -hmm. for it by being like, oh, you like history too, right? You should go into theater history specifically <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but then in sophomore year, 
there was this crazy choreographer who came and worked with us every so often mm. and she wrote her own plays and they were super weird and abstract mm. but she was doing like a workshop of it with us and all of a sudden i like picked up this abstract monologue mm. and i mean it was like super weird it was like i would just just be crouching in the middle of the stage and i'd be like Where's my mother? I haven't seen my mother. Now I have to go fill up the gas. Where's the turtle at? And like something stupid like that. I don't even remember. But it was like this strange stream of consciousness monologue. And for some reason, it just like clicked with me as to how to like change and Mm -hmm. perform that. And she put me in the lead role for the show. And like from there, I was kind of like, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Yeah. So like that was my moment. Although now I'm really similar to to Zach, Mm. you know, pursuing it as a career has changed everything. And I'm definitely back towards the music focus more than anything else now. Man. She's a brilliant musician. Like, very, very good at what he does. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) That's how every musician says it. Like, that's exactly how I did it when I was in the band. And just like, it was okay. Every single musician just says that. Yeah. That's how you know you're a good musician. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Modesty is the best policy. Yeah, right on. Uh, Liz, you want to jump us into the second question? Yes. So this one is for Andrew. Mm. You're from, Yay! You're from the weirdest state of West Virginia. Is it <laughs> is as that creepy? A fact? That is a fact. I don't know. Adam that's, wrote the question. That's the state I, motto. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. The state motto has been weird over the years. Yeah. West Virginia weird. Yeah. I believe is is the slogan. Yeah. yeah. So is West Virginia as creepy as it seems? And what's the craziest part about the state? um so so, yeah west virginia is like super weird we definitely had our state motto actually for a while there was open for business which just feels like the state is a prostitute (laughs) luckily they changed it back to wild and wonderful but like that was a thing um so west virginia doesn't really know what it's doing um in in both the political sense and in the larger sense um Yeah. yeah i do think i do i think it's like there's a lot about West Virginia that's absolutely beautiful. Some yeah. of my favorite hikes are in West Virginia. Mm. I mean, it's like, it's in the middle of Appalachia. Like, yeah, it's great because of that. Um, but it's, then you start interacting with the people and going into like the cities and towns and it's totally different kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it thinks it's the South, <laughs> you know? I mean, like everybody there has yeah. like the thick Southern drawl yeah. and you'll see confederate flags everywhere and i'm like do you realize that this state was formed for because it wanted to break away from it like do you know what's happening like to combat against this kind of thing yeah we were a border state guys we left the south oh my goodness (laughs) so i don't know i don't know what all that's about um in terms of it being creepy i'll give you this like it's super quiet at night because Mm. it's like woods and mountains and so yeah if you find quiet pitch black creepy sure yeah i love it because i used to do a lot of astronomy and stargazing so like oh my god you can see everything but i would also um, like to point out that you are a horror movie buff so yeah. anything that's creepy to a oh, normal person so, yeah sure 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 sure, sure. Just like, i'm probably oh, less sensitive to these things because yeah. <laughs> you're from west virginia um other in also in fairness there are a ton of like ghost stories and legends set mm-hmm. in west virginia like Mothman's obviously the most famous one. That's on the opposite side of the state from where I grew up. Mm -hmm. But like, I also grew up near Harper's Ferry, which was like, Mm -hmm. during the Civil War, very active and blah, blah, blah. And there's at least like 70 ghost stories just in that town kind of thing. So it probably is pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's just people who think that they're from the South and they live in like rundown trailers, but then have $100,000 sports cars parked outside of them. And that's confusing. 
That is wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are your what are your priorities doing? <laughs> <laughs> My goodness, but yeah, super good to know. If you ever want to visit West Virginia, uh, just uh, you know, just like horror movies, and you'll be fine. Yeah, or yeah. like hit me up, and I'll tell you the two interesting places to go. Yeah, totally. <laughs> two interesting <laughs> in the whole state, weird and ghoulish state yeah. of West Virginia. Well, Zach, I want to bring a question to you because sure, hit me. You are. A phenomenal Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> Why, and, thank you. And unfortunately, your team is one of the most ignored in the NFL. It's one of the uh, least profitable, uh, according to some statistics by CBS. It's one of the most ignored teams in the NFL. But I want to ask you, as a Buffalo Bills fan, why should people care more about the Buffalo Bills? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to... For somebody that didn't grow up in upstate New York like me, it would be hard yeah. as, as a fan because of the of the size of the market they have. Besides yeah. Green Bay, Buffalo is the smallest market share in the NFL, yeah. which makes sense. They've been sitting in a division with the New England Patriots for you know the entirety of their run. Uh, mm -hmm. They're a dominant franchise, whereas the other three teams in the AFC East have been struggling as of late. Yeah. But the difference between the Bills and the Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets is they don't have that kind of market share. Mm-hmm. The Bills had a 17-year playoff drought. They've always put out sort of – even the year they made playoffs in 2017, they kind of did it in an ugly fashion and needed help from the Bengals of all teams to actually get in. Yeah. The other thing about the Bills roster is that if you ask a casual NFL fan to name five players on the Bills that aren't named Josh Allen, like <laughs> that's very hard to do. The Bills don't have that kind of star power that yeah. any other team has right Can now. Can I ask if Josh Allen's legs and shorts count as two separate players? <laughs> uh, for me, they do. They yeah, look they very good. I can't not fantasize about those legs in shorts. Uh, but a team like the Bills has a very very fascinating culture to them right now, especially mm -hmm. when you look at the entirety of the AFC right now. Mm -hmm. The one thing the Bills kind of have that a lot of teams don't right now is stability. Mm -hmm. They aren't dealing with a plague of injuries right now. They aren't dealing with, uh, uh, I won't say egos because I don't think that's the proper word. I think the fact that players in the NFL right now are taking their power and trying to uh, use the highlights of their career to make as most money as possible or get themselves out of bad situations like Jalen Ramsey is right now. Yeah. Uh, or, or Melvin Gordon or what Le'Veon Bell did last year. Oh, uh, yeah. I would bring up Antonio Brown, but he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> like literally the most, I think the, to any NFL fan, the biggest thing that happened to the Bills this year is Antonio Brown said he didn't want to play in Buffalo. And thank mm -hmm. God for that. Uh, but that that's the kind of the thing. They're in a small market. They're in the Siberian tundra. Like there's there, it's very cold up in Buffalo. It's fine right now, but give it a month and 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 players don't want to go to a place where they're going to if, if they're a big name talent, they don't want to go to a place where they can't capitalize on their big name. That's why Le'Veon Bell would go to the Jets, even though the Jets are kind of I won't say the Jets are suffering. They're suffering now because of uh, some some kissing related incidents. Yeah. But when it comes to the Bills, they're just it's it's a talented under the radar team that mm. I think is going to surprise a lot of people this season. You could argue and say that they have a very easy season this year. They're two and zero. We're recording on Saturday, so Sunday hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And I think 
I forget what ranking they are in like terms of strength of schedule, but I think they have the second easiest schedule in the NFL right now, and that's only because the Patriots play the Bills and the Bills play the Patriots. Like that's the trade off. Yeah. But I think the Bills are just they're a hardworking team. They have a lot of information about them. The city loves them. There's a super fan name. I believe his name was Ursa Castro. I don't have it in front of me, but it was best known by the nickname of Pancho Billa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away uh, from cancer earlier this year, but he was a huge part of Bill's culture in a way that I've never seen a fan be able to interact with an NFL team before. Uh, so when when the NFL is talking about how football is family, like I think the Bill's best personify that mm-hmm. it out of any team in the league right now uh even though like they all do charity work even though they all give back on sunday's uh, game beforehand they're having a huge ceremony to honor his legacy and memory they're unveiling a statue of him at new era field it's just that kind of interaction with the fans that i think the bills have that most other teams just don't right now mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of because they are such a small market, because they are such an intimate team, because they've been out of the playoffs for 17 years, mm. there is there there's more to love because you know they haven't been able to win games that much the last couple of years. So if you're there, you're there because you love them, and that's that's what I do. I love the Bills, yeah, and I think that this could be the year they start to turn some heads. I think so. I I definitely agree with you. Um... Even if they make the wild card, I think people are going to turn their heads at least, and they're going to. I think so. Yeah, Uh, they they just have to make to that point. So, Uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to take the division away from the Patriots. They're still playing at a high caliber level, so Mm. you know they play them next week in Week Four at home. It could be an interesting game. It could not be. It's it's Bill Belichick. It's the Patriots. I hate them to death, but I also know that they're a good football team. Mm. So we'll see what happens. But I think I think the Bills compared to where most other teams are. We watched the Titans get clowned yesterday by the Jaguars <laughs> with their backup legendary quarterback. Like yeah. it's 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 an interesting train wreck of a uh, conference right now. And I think the Bills can capitalize on that this year. Dang. Let's bring it back to uh both of you cuz I want yeah, to Sorry, that was a that was a long answer. Hey, no, I asked you about your passion, man. <laughs> You're passionate about the Bills and that's what happens, man. Um so your podcast is a book club for gamers. What sort of process do you go through when choosing to, choosing a game to talk about? That's a great question. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if we know the exact process. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's something we've been we've been fine tooling with a lot over the the year our podcast has existed. We are about to celebrate fifty episodes, and mm-hmm. we cover probably thirty something games on the show. And I think one of the big things you'll notice as we go along is a lot of the earlier episodes we were doing games that were popular, that were mm. in the moment, that we didn't exactly have all the information about. We were going to do an episode on We Happy Few, and that game ended up being a da- a, a bag of doggy doo doo. <laughs> um, I think. What we've decided is that we're kind of tuning an audience now that we're fine tuning the way we do things now that we're not trying to play a game every single week like we did last fall and drove ourselves insane. (laughs) I think that the the best thing we can do is just play the games that are we're passionate about Mm. and the Mm -hmm. games that our audience is passionate about too. Uh, we we did a fan poll to see what Final Fantasy people wanted us to tackle. We played Final Fantasy X. Uh, we've been in much more open communication with our fans about like, 
hey, maybe we should play this. We, we should play that. A couple of people asked us to play Sekiro, but that's not exactly my mm -hmm. kind of dig. And I, I had realized after we had done a couple of games where I wasn't truly feeling it, it just didn't click well enough for us to have mm -hmm. a game where like two of us might have loved it. And I was just kind of like, meh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think there's a fine line with that. I think that we some of our more interesting episodes have been the ones where like one of us has a different opinion about the game from the other two because mm -hmm. we get some like healthy debate on the podcast, but it has to be, it can't be one that like literally has turned someone off and they don't want to finish it and they're just plugging through, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we had to find the way to create a list that like, yeah, we hit some new releases, you know, I mean, obviously to get some ears on the podcast, but also to, to I don't know, stay relevant and see what's happening in the video game industry. Mm -hmm. But we're doing a lot more jump backs to things like, well, we've wanted to play a Final Fantasy. Let's pick like four of our favorites and let the fans vote and see like, you know, we want to do games that we're all three going to be mm -hmm. passionate about too. Yeah. yeah. We're very huge JRPG fans, all three of us. Uh, <laughs> we haven't even mentioned like Kevin by name yet. Our third co-host, Kevin, uh, <laughs> who is a remarkable human being, couldn't be with us today. Mm. Um, but we play like a ton of JRPGs on the show. And like we're looking at the schedule for next year. And right off the bat, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions remaster comes out. Oh, yeah. Final Fantasy VII remake comes out. Persona 5, the Royal comes out. I couldn't think of that word for a second. Uh, so like next year's going to be pretty JRPG heavy, probably because those are the games we're looking forward to the most. Andrew and I have been dying to replay Tokyo Mirage Sessions oh, again. Did we buy that game together? Were we together? Yeah, when we I'm pretty that? sure we did. For the wonderful 101, which is a game I have never played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I touched it for like maybe two hours. Mm. <laughs> I'm just looking at my shelf of Wii U games and the number of titles that are just sitting there that I've never been touched before uh, is is staggering. I have Twilight Princess HD that I never touched. I have Bayonetta oh. 2 that I've never touched. Oopsie Daisy. Yeah. Wii U, you're such a wonderful console. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. But that, that's good, though. Like, you, you go on what you enjoy, and that's where you can get the best content because you actually enjoy it. You know what you're passionate about. And just like what you did with the Buffalo Bills, I'm not going to ask you why should people care about the Eagles because you're not passionate about the Eagles. You're passionate about the Buffalo Bills. And that's where you can get the most content out. So I can definitely respect that. <laughs> fair. Yeah, Very it's fair. not false. This is also like a life motto. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? If you aren't passionate about it, maybe don't put your time into it. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's one of the things we realized. We did an episode on Fallout 76 because Kevin very uh. desperately wanted to do it. <laughs> and that was fun because it was probably the only time where the three of us just universally reviled the game that we were covering. Kevin was yeah. so adamant of like, no, it's going to be good. No, there's like fun Same. things to do. No, like the gunplay is good and you can play with other people. And literally, I think we sat down and played maybe five hours of it together. And the mm -hmm. entire time I was literally... I, I wanted to die. I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted the nuke to drop so I could not play that game anymore because holy crap. We also yeah. realized that like we're human. We have day jobs. We can't go 50 miles an hour on 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 all the games that we're playing. 50 mm. miles an hour, hundred thousand miles per hour. Um, one of the games I genuinely want to have more. I wish I could have an episode back. Is the episode we did on Dragon Quest 11 last year, mm. a game that at the time I really, really, really didn't like because it wasn't the kind of game that I wanted to marathon, even though we had to have it finished for a, a, a 60 minute episode on it. Yeah, uh, that game is still sitting in my pile of shame of stuff that I haven't finished. <laughs> but like ever since Hero dropped in Smash Ultimate, I've been thinking about the game again and I want to get back to it. And I kind of wish we could just we 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 cover games 
episodes now. I think our Final Fantasy ten episodes were were five episodes long, which mm. is buck wild to think about uh, when you say that out loud. Um, but yeah, I, I I think that we want to play longer games yeah. on our show. And playing a 60 to 100 hour experience for one hour content just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. No, it makes so sense. Yeah. We change things around and we we play to our strengths, which mm-hmm. is talking about RPGs and stories. Mm. So kind of wrapping up our interview section here, I'm bringing it back to your podcast. And not only do you talk about games on your podcast, you're actually pretty open about uh, your mental health, your mental health state on the show. You're, you're not afraid to share what's going on with there. And I want to ask both of you, as we wrap up uh, this section of the podcast, how do you hope to inspire your audience who might be fighting the same mental battles as you are? Want to start this one, Andrew? Uh, sure. So um, I think it's funny because Zach and I both talk about having kind of strayed out of the theater career path that we initially pursued. And mm. I think with the uh, changing of a career path, there is a natural, where am I going? What is yes. happening? Mm-hmm. Feeling that starts to set in. And I think both of us started to kind of go through that together and like support each other through it. And I think part of that, like that was sort of, that became a, a pillar of our friendship was that we were helping each other through the mental health. So that was naturally going to work its way into a podcast yeah. where we're just palling around kind of thing. Um, but for me, in terms of like deciding whether or not to share these sort of things with people, mm. um, I when whenever I'm putting entertainment mm-hmm. out there, be it a show that I'm performing in, be it a podcast that I'm making, be it music that I'm writing, whatever, um, I I think about the audience and I think about wanting to make an impact on the audience in some way or another, or like why am I doing this? Um, yeah. You know, because while art is a selfish thing for in a lot of ways, um, I I don't. I'm not interested in making art that is just for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also want other people to get something out of it. Mm. Um, I go back to my choir conductor in college told us this story. Cause I, I think it was like, we used to go on international tour every year. And I want to say that we were in, it was one of the tours. It might've been France. It might've been Brazil. I can't remember, but it was one of my earlier tours. Mm. And we had a night where just like the past couple concerts, not many people had really shown up to and they were kind of smaller houses and you could see general morale of the choir was kind of like, mm, why are we like performing for so few people? Like this is, uh. mm-hmm. he told us this story about they actually were doing a show up in, I believe in Buffalo. Oh. Um, and they had a church scheduled cause they were doing basically a domestic tour up in the Northeast of the United States. Yeah. Um, so they had this show scheduled. They are pulling in and a blizzard hits kind of thing like they are headed up there like buffalo yeah (laughs) so they're there i mean they've gone up there on a bus Mm -hmm. so they're there but other people are really not traveling because it's a pretty bad blizzard kind of thing so they ended up having that concert for i think four people he said Mm -hmm. in the church that night it was like very few people made it out but they did the concert for those four people and the choir was, you know, backstage during the intermission and blah, 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 like grumbling about, you know, this feels dumb. Why are we doing this? Mm. He then told us that a week later, after they had gotten back to the college from the tour, he received an email and it was from one of those four people. And that person had said that they were strongly contemplating committing suicide that night and that the music had uplifted them so much that they talked themselves out of it. 
And I just think you can never underestimate the impact that you could have even on just one person. And that means it's worth putting it out there. No, right on. I, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah, yeah that, that's a very fundamental thing that I think we pursue when we're doing a show like this. The podcast itself uh, was kind of conceived for me, like not only as an outlet to talk about video games, but also kind of an outlet for my own depression. When we started the show back in May of 2018, uh, it was a few months. I was a few months removed from a really nasty breakup that left me shaken for Mm. a really long time. And the podcast itself was more than anything else, like an excuse to hang out with two of my best friends every single week. Yeah. And through the worst of my own depression, like it is very easy in that mental state to feel alone and unwanted and like nobody else can relate to what you're going through right now. And I think the most important thing that somebody in that state could know is that you are not alone in handling this. You are not alone in your struggles. There are people that feel exactly how you feel right now. And that's a really comforting thing to know. Uh, Only Three months ago, I believe I started therapy. I've been on antidepressants. uh, And I think that's a really important thing to share Mm. uh, as we move forward as content creators and people that uh, some people genuinely depend on. There's a couple of fans out there that uh, uh, like get really excited when we post a new episode. They totally understand when our schedule. We've been having a little difficulty putting out episodes this month because of scheduling issues. But uh, they've always been so supportive. Hmm. about uh whatever we are doing and i think part of that is because we are share our personal struggles our personal grievances against the 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 fate of the world um (laughs) yeah grievances is the wrong word i don't know why i said that yeah Uh, (laughs) very moving I, i think i think there's a responsibility when you're trying to build you know a book club a a a mm-hmm. space for people to hang out and talk about games and and love a medium that we've all uh, bought into in a big way. And part of that is just saying like, you know, we struggle too and that's okay. And I hope you're doing okay yeah. because you know what today I'm doing okay. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, also a medium where it's a lot of people who grew up feeling alone and are very familiar with this feeling of feeling alone, like mm-hmm. gamers, largely you know it's a part of nerd culture and we know that nerd culture emerged from like a group of people that you know maybe got bullied when they were younger and things like that and that's not a great feeling Mm. and so the sense of community can help you to deal with those moments when you're maybe a little more down and feeling like there's no one else there Mm. still very weird to me to see gaming become kind of one of the head pillars of popular (laughs) culture when i was bullied relentlessly as a kid for being super into pokemon and super into mario and just a huge nintendo fanatic Mm. and now these days like that's in vogue, baby. Yeah. Everyone wants everyone wants to be the Mario. Right on. Uh, weird feeling to to know that what I was made fun of 20 years ago is now like the best thing to love today. Yeah. No, these are excellent answers and uh once again if you're listening to this Thank you. I thought about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Once, uh, if anybody's listening to this episode, if, if you're new here and you're just finding out about Good Game, Great Game, definitely check out their podcast because they're very open about this and, and you hear they're passionate about uh, mental health and mental wellness uh, in this. So definitely check out their podcast on that if you want to learn more. 
But sometimes we talk about video games too. Well, sometimes too, yeah. <laughs> Well, we're about to jump into a video game topic right here as we move into our last section where we're talking about gatekeeping gamers. So let's move into it with our final segment. Talkie time. Every single week on the Games and Groceries podcast, we like to talk about a talking point within the game industry, whether it be about female gamers or even Life is Strange. But today we have Good Game, Great Game with us to talk about gatekeeping gaming. I can say all of that. My tongue twisting is... Awesome. So let's get that was really impressive the way you, you worked for all those G's. I know. Yeah. Thank you. But stuff uh, there. It's because I'm a G. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey. Wait till you hear the uh the intro to this podcast. So that's gonna be fun. But <laughs> <laughs> um but let's start it off. Uh Liz, I want to start with you. Okay. Uh what does it mean to be a gatekeeping gamer? Like, let's define what it is first. Um, well, actually, I didn't know till you told me. Yeah, yeah. You're like, we're talking about gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah. Is that. Mm-hmm. And mostly, it's just like people who like say, "Well, you're not a gamer if you don't play this or if you don't like this." Yeah. Things like that. Like you have to have certain criteria to be yeah, a gamer. Yeah, to be have to have that title of gamer. Yeah. What do you fellas think? I think even more than that, it's yeah. saying that you can't enjoy this thing that I love because mm-hmm. you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not mm. the person I want enjoying the thing that I want, which generally boils down to being straight, white, and male. Yeah. Yeah. Not oh, to totally. put myself on blast, but yeah. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, gatekeeping is just this heinous action of. The more people enjoying a thing, the less special I feel for enjoying it. So mm-hmm. I need to make sure that only specific people get to enjoy the thing that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, dead on. Uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts? What do you what do you think uh, it means to be a gatekeeping gamer? Um, yeah, I take it. I take it very much the same way. It's it's people who have decided that this is their special thing and it's their mm-hmm. special place. And if you're not exactly the same as me and having all the same viewpoints or whatever like Mm -hmm. they pick arbitrary reasons to just say you're not allowed to have fun with this it's it's for whatever reason taking this entertainment form that is largely entertained for just largely created for individual fun yeah and deciding that hey that person over there though they can't have individual fun get out of here oh you like halo name three of their albums yeah Yeah. (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) but yeah like that and that's the thing there's so many um gatekeepers in the gaming community and and like what you said it's their special thing right Mm -hmm. and you don't want to any part of it but uh have we faced gatekeeping before in gaming culture what what do we all think here oh i am straight white and male yeah (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that's the thing it's like um and, and coming from my perspective uh, I, I faced a lot of gatekeeping when I exited college, right? And I, I didn't have a lot of time to game in college, so I kind of just faltered out. But because I didn't really keep up the gaming culture, right, um, I was just left with trying to catch up. And a lot of gamers like, oh, well, how, how come you haven't played this? How come you haven't played that? Why do you have the next-gen system? And just like, mm-hmm. I'm catching up, man. Like, it, it, it was just kind of like, you have to keep up or else you're not in it. And and that's yeah. just kind of like a crappy thing to do. Yeah. I don't know if I would define that as gatekeeping, though. Mm. That's that's 
I get made like people will call me out for like I said at the top of the show I haven't played Last of Us yet whenever I say that people are like oh you haven't played Last of Us yet I wouldn't call that gatekeeping so much as just people commenting on the fact that like I I I think people might throw around like true gamer like I'm not a true gamer unless I I've prestiged 20 times in Call of Duty or I've played every inch of God of War Mm -hmm. I that that's talking about gatekeeping Mm -hmm. the way the way i want to consider it i think it's more shutting people down because of their identities more than uh uh saying there okay so Mm -hmm. here's what i think yeah sorry i think that there's a level of gatekeeping when people say oh you're not a true gamer unless Mm -hmm. you've played this this Mm -hmm. and this yeah to me a grandma that plays Candy Crush on the subway on her commute to the the movie theater right. to catch a flick with her gal pals. She's mm-hmm. a gamer. Right. The of a friend who is wildly like she played uh what was the game? Florence. I I mm-hmm. I told her she should play this game. She was like, Well, I don't play video games. I'm like, just play Florence and see what yeah. you think. And she texted me back and like sobbing because of the experience. I'm like, Congratulations, you're a gamer now. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I think Well, we can agree that not all gamers think in that way. There there are some gamers that say like if there's if you play a mobile game, that's not real gaming, right? Yeah. Uh, if you but if now you're... here comes Apple Arcade to change all of that. Yeah, exactly. I'm... Good gravy. I think I live in the Apple Arcade now, folks. Yeah, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, Andrew, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, yeah, but there's. I think when we talk about the conception of of what is a gamer and what is not a gamer, as long as you play a video game and you love it, in my yeah. book, that makes you a gamer. But mm-hmm. I understand that there are people out there. I had a, a, a sweet mate in college mm-hmm. who say like, oh, well, you you know, Mario's not a real video game. Oh, well, Pokemon, like Nintendo games are not real games. And I'm like, yeah, that's messed up to think in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh I can agree with you from that standpoint, like mm-hmm. people that say, oh, well, you're not a gamer if you haven't played My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Sparkle Rush. But yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that mentality is just toxic and poisonous. And yeah, and that's what we're talking about is just kind of like, yeah, th- there is there is the extremes, but to ignore even just the little things like to say that Nintendo games aren't real games and just kind of like put that to the side and ignore that it's letting those people kind of get away with being a toxic human being mm-hmm. uh, and not letting people enjoy what they enjoy. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would thoroughly agree with that assessment. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would broaden your definition of gatekeeping Zach in the sense that you're auditing me, baby. You're, <laughs> that's what I do. Um, your primary thing that you're focusing on is the identity gatekeeping, which is maybe the most problematic because it's literally something Mm -hmm. someone can't control i'll give you all that i think that the type of gamers that like adam is talking about Mm -hmm. that are saying like you're not a true gamer if you only like this or blah 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 they're just guarding a different gate like there Mm -hmm. are several gates yeah Um, and i just there are many gates i think we just should leave them all open like yeah even that person who's saying you're not a real gamer if you just play nintendo games let that person have their fun with Nintendo games. Get over yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You or see 2020, open all them gates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. Have, open for business. Andrew, have you <laughs> have you been in and involved with any kind of gatekeeping gamers in your life? I have. Yeah. Um I 
not so much anymore. I don't experience it nearly as much uh, these days, but this also could be because of the early experiences I had of changed the way I game a little bit. Mm. Um, I used to play World of Warcraft. Like when it first came out, I oh, was yeah. on the WoW train. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I liked to create like multiple characters. I was never that person who could play an online game, have one main character, get them up to max level, and then just like focus yeah. on getting the best equipment. Like that wasn't interesting to me. I wanted to have multiple characters and switch between them. Yeah. So World of Warcraft has, you know, different races that you can choose to play as, and they start you in different places based on that, things like that. So I wanted to experience all of them. Mm -hmm. Each race I would go into, and I would decide which of the two genders was more aesthetically pleasing, and I would create a character under that gender. Yeah. I've rarely, if ever, been a person who tries to insert myself into a game. Mm. Um, When I'm creating a character in a character creator, even something like this where it's like, Mm. you know, personalizable that sort of thing i make a new character like this is me being a new character um but my gosh if i cannot tell you the number of times that i would just be approached by like men in these games Mm -hmm. and like one of the first sentences out of their mouths was like are you a real girl Hmm. like all the time and i was just like I ended up pretending that I was sometimes and not like (laughs) using it in a predatory way or like flirting or anything creepy like that. Right. But like, it just, it felt less safe to me to admit that I wasn't. Yeah. (laughs) Because they were coming at me so aggressively. Yeah. And, you know, I did tell a few of them like, no, I wasn't. And then like, it wasn't a pleasant experience (laughs) afterwards. So usually I just would. And then of course, then they would like flirt with me. and, And there was that weird part of like, this is strange. I don't know what to do with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I it basically, I, I I definitely felt extremely limited in the ways that I was supposed to be playing that game, mm-hmm. and I essentially had to put on several masks in order to be able to play it the way I wanted to. Yeah. Um, which meant that my interactions with the other people were like extremely weird and extremely disingenuous yeah. <laughs> for various reasons. So I think that's largely why I'm not a big fan of multiplayer mm-hmm. now. It just really put me off of any multiplayer situation. I was like, I don't want, I love games. I love putting myself in stories and into other worlds. Mm-hmm. I don't want other people to be able to ruin that for me. So I'm just not going to let them into my gaming experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat there. I'm much more of an insular gamer. I don't really enjoy, I enjoy playing competitive multiplayer, mm-hmm. but when it comes to, something like MMOs and more cooperative experiences, unless I'm playing with friends, like I don't feel comfortable anymore uh, just jumping on with some randoms, partially because I have severe social anxiety and I don't Mm. like talking to strangers, but I I think more because I feel like it takes me out of the moment when I've got Jimmy Two Shoes sitting around talking about how great the president is. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'm not about that life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, uh, I also, I feel like I've had a, this is, this is a different level of gatekeeping and it's more subconscious. And sometimes it's even done by non gamers. Mm. And I wonder Liz, if you have ever experienced a similar thing as a female gamer, Mm. um, where I will meet people and we will get to know each other. And as we're getting to know each other at some point, I will like bring up a video game or talk about the fact that I play video games or I have a video game podcast. And the reaction is like actual shock, like Mm -hmm. open, like what? Yeah, because they assumed they found out that I identify. I mean, I technically identify as pansexual, but largely I just that's complicated to explain to people who don't know it. So I just go by gay usually. Yeah, but I identify as a gamer. 
<laughs> but I'm like, here for the gamers. You know, there are people who will like find out that I'm gay, and then the minute I say I also play video games, they're like, those don't cute. And even that, like, it's not an intentional thing. I don't find it to be malicious. And it's a, it's more of a societal imposition mm -hmm. that has been put on these people and their mindsets. But mm. just the assumption that because I'm gay, I wouldn't play video games. Mm. If you hear it too often, it starts to also permeate your own subconscious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah well, I don't know if you've ever had that experience, Liz. Yeah. Um, well, it's my gay gamer friend. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I mean, I think in the beginning... I kept myself from giving the title of gamer. I was like, oh, well, I only play Sims and, I, and life is strange. Like, I'm not a gamer. And then as we started doing the podcast, I'm like, all right, so yeah, I am. But even <laughs> now, I still sometimes keep myself from saying a female gamer because to me, that sounds like really hardcore. Like, mm -hmm. sure. A, like a very like big gamer like playing everything like to me like that's a female gamer so i even keep myself from that so i probably need to work on that yeah um as far as telling people i, I mean i remember when i told my boss that oh, i'm like oh yeah i have a podcast with my husband he's like oh what is about i'm like video games he's like wait what yeah <laughs> so i think it shocks you when i say i have a video game podcast because they don't see me as a gamer because i don't talk about it but i also don't talk sure. to people so i haven't had the chance to have that shocking interaction <laughs> because I'm like, Zach, I have social anxiety and I really don't enjoy talking to people that much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I haven't really awesome. had like, the opportunity I, to shock people. I just people. hate the word gamer. I hate it yeah. so much. Mm -hmm. I hate it as a descriptive term for people. I hate mm -hmm. it that we use it in the same breath as words like gay or male. Mm -hmm. It's such a loaded term to call. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I'm a gamer. Like, yeah. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a dumb you don't somebody who sits there and likes books doesn't go. Oh, well, I'm a reader. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> do you do go around to people saying like, yeah, I'm a reader. Yeah, I mean, if they ask what my hobbies are like, yeah, I'll say I'm a reader. Right. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. Please don't right. shame me for calling myself that, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> don't read shame around here. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's this connotation i think this ties directly into gatekeeping that people associate gaming with identity mm -hmm. they associate their love of video games with their identity which is such yeah. a dangerous and slippery slope to travel down mm -hmm. because once you're trying to distinguish like who was a gamer who was not a gamer that's yeah. a weird mm -hmm. thing to give a, sh a, yeah. a poop about yeah uh, but yeah, like that's why we introduce our videos on on YouTube. That's why we're like, hey, what's up, human beings? Just because that's what we need to identify as mm -hmm. with all of these like gamers and female gamers and whatever you want. But it's just like we're all human beings at the end of the day. We're mm -hmm. all like, I gotta get that SEO. We're all about the gamers at Good Game, Great Game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that's no, I, I think you're right, Adam. Mm -hmm. I this is maybe going to go a little existential, but like, go for it. Our society as a whole loves to label people, yeah. Yep. And I, I well, get definitely. it. I think the instinct comes from like literal survival mechanisms, like mm -hmm. prejudice comes from survival mechanisms. It's trying to put this new thing that you're this new person mm -hmm. you're seeing into as many boxes as possible so you can feel like you understand them before you have to interact with them. Mm -hmm. I yeah. get what the instinct is. We're also now at a point of civilization though where we need to like be consciously moving past some of this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's such a variety of people and to label them on things that are as simple as their interests or their sexual preferences or the mm -hmm. gender they identify as or whatever it may be that you're choosing to label these people as 
if that's a label that they're giving you for themselves, that they're choosing to be a part of because they have found that to be a community that strengthens them, mm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. give them that label. But I don't know that it's great to be putting it on other people. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that I of... also think that it's just dangerous that there are many people out there who mm. the media that they consume defines who they are. That's all they are to themselves. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, a stigma of mental illness. That's that's when I was in some of my worst periods of depression. Like that's I identified myself through the media that I was consuming, too. And I think that's a huge part of gatekeeping, because if if somebody who only defines themselves by the fact that they like from soft games see mm-hmm. somebody that defines himself as somebody that enjoys from soft games but also does other things too mm. it's not comfortable to them and that's i think that's where a lot of their rage and stigma comes from mm-hmm. yeah and that's uh the next point like i wanted to bring up it's like why is there gatekeeping in general why are there gatekeeping gamers out there and, I, and andrew and zach i think you kind of summed up very well is that we we like to put people in boxes and not only put people in boxes but have our own box that we're proud of you know i enjoy this thing this is my box do not even come close to my box and i think i mean if you think about it if you're a sibling you kind of know that feeling of wanting your own box yeah because like well i don't know i'm an only child exactly i said if you have (laughs) have siblings because it's like this is my thing and like I don't want my sibling being into that because this is my thing. Yeah. So when you have other right. people in your thing, you're like, I need to like you. Otherwise I don't want you in my thing. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> sure. a very apt description of what it is. <laughs> Mom, yeah. it's my turn to play with a Nintendo at all times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, I want to ask you guys like any other thoughts of like, why is there gatekeeping out there? What do you guys I think? think? We've, I think we hit the nail on the head on that so. one, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I, I think it's it's a it's a struggle with people's identity. It's saying I'm a gamer because I've prestige twenty times in Call of Duty versus I'm a I'm I'm a gamer because I played Brain Age every day for six years. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, but I think that the fact that people use the word gamer as a mm. descriptive term of who they are mm-hmm. in terms of their personality, in terms of their identity, uh, I think that's where it that's that's where the line is drawn Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think with anything that that you let become central to your identity Mm. if you aren't if it's not necessarily actually who you are or Mm -hmm. if it's an identity that you've chosen because you already didn't feel good about yourself and you wanted to have an idea you know what i mean i think insecurity is at the heart of a lot of toxic behavior Mm -hmm. if i'm really honest with you and i would say like you know not i'm there are some people who are just terrible people but you know, a significant chunk of people who maybe partake in gatekeeping in one form or another are are very insecure and maybe yeah. didn't know how to find a home for themselves. And they feel like they found a home for themselves finally. Mm. But for some reason, they're worried that other people coming into that home they found is going to somehow destroy their self-worth or make them less. Mm-hmm. Kind of marketing's fault when you really think about it. Mm-hmm. In the late 80s and 90s, Nintendo and Sega, for the most part, pushed their consoles on the, you know... 13 to 35 year old demographic of mm-hmm. heavily male audiences yeah mm-hmm. so for the upbringing of most of these people's lives gaming was a space for them and then suddenly nintendo turns around and goes well what if we go after everybody and that yeah. worked you know that paid off dividend so everyone now wants to court everyone as gamers and for the people that were 
that felt like gaming was their space for such a long time mm-hmm. and felt like they were special because they had this space that was specifically mm-hmm. for them because that's what the console makers wanted. Now it's different. Now it's a space for everybody. Brain Age is here, baby. I don't know why I'm talking about Brain Age so much. It's <laughs> yeah, just you're really my stuck head. on that. I'm really, I'm really here for that good Sudoku. Yeah. Um, well, like, kind, yeah. Oh, oh, go for it. I, I think I was I, I, I hit my point. Okay. On the head. <laughs> well, since we're running out of time here, I know we're on a time crunch here, but I want to combine two questions that I have. Uh two two talking points. Uh one It's a combo question. It's a combo mm-hmm. question. Uh lightning round. Boop, boop, boop. Oh jeez. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> I have the same reaction as Liz. Yes, <laughs> it's right, Liz. You lay into him. You get him. She keeps me honest. Oh jeez. Um so here's the thing. Why is it a good thing that more gamers are coming into the space or, you know, why more people, why more human beings are playing video games? And how can we snuff out uh, gatekeeping gamers, quote unquote? Like, so why is it a good thing and how can we snuff out that kind of culture, that kind of toxicity? The simplest answer for why it's a good thing that more people are playing. If in this modern day society, there are so many things that can make you unhappy. If mm-hmm. playing a game makes you happy, no matter what type of person you are, it's a good thing. Yeah. We live in a society yeah. where things yeah. are bad at yeah. all yeah. times. I got to yeah. get some joy. I need Brain Age 2, baby. <laughs> Where's Brain Age 3? There was a Brain Age 3. It was called Concentration Training. Give me Brain Age 4, Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo. Nintendo, uh, turn the camera to me. Z here. Uh, Brain yeah. Age 4? It has uh, the color mini game, but you have to say the color even though the word is blue. But the blue is yellow. That's Brain Age Four. Is the next good game, great game, going to be on about Brain Age? It, I, Andrew, we need to put Brain Age on the schedule. I, I have it. Ooh, <laughs> I have it too. <laughs> Brain Let's Age. get Doctor Kamashidawa in here. You heard it here for yeah, first place. Games and groceries exclusive. Brain Age will be the next. Yeah, this episode. is an official leak. <laughs> <laughs> honestly though yeah wait sidebar andrew can we actually do like the three of us should play brain age for a month and then oh see where God. we end up we're smarter <laughs> i don't know if it can help us i think see if it improves the show <laughs> i would listen to that episode yeah <laughs> oh god um anyway yeah uh, back to back to the topic at hand i guess yeah um I forgot what we were talking about i'm so excited <laughs> about brain age <laughs> i think I honestly think the best way that we can, or at least one of the better ways that we can continue to snuff out gatekeeping mm. is to make sure that like gaming is continuing to become more inclusive mm. and allowing it to be so. Um, things like, like so it, it's still like, you know, Zach's talking about the marketing. It's still kind of a pervasive thing. Yeah, it's, totally. you know, it, we're playing right now Fire Emblem Three Houses. Mm-hmm. And I went on a whole rant about the the romance system. There's like a romance yeah. system there. And I it was kind of touted yeah. as having more inclusive same-sex options than it's ever had before. Because historically, this series has not had a lot of same-sex romance options. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's you know, I'm not saying that they need to be in every game. But the more often we're able to put them in there and give people this thing. And it's completely optional. You know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. want to play the game and you want to play a male character and marry a female character, you have that ability. You yeah. can completely ignore all of the same sex romance. Mm. But at the same time in three houses, 
it's severely unbalanced. There are five same-sex female options, many of whom are like plot-relevant, important characters. Mm. And when you really get down to it, there is one same-sex male option, and he's not mm. plot-relevant at all. Yeah. Um, and it's just one of those things where like we can celebrate the moments where we get inclusivity and celebrate the people who wanted that moment of inclusivity. That is helpful. And also calling out then the companies mm. that didn't properly do this inclusive thing. To like, no, like allow this. If you're going to do this, if you're going to try and implement inclusivity, do it right, do it properly, make it balanced, ignore the haters that are like whining about it. They don't need to play that right. version of your game. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just like, I think stamping out the negativity with positivity is one of our best weapons. Mm -hmm. You know oh, what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. There's a great article that Vice Games published earlier this week. I believe Patrick Klepik wrote it. Mm -hmm. Uh, he talked a little bit about Celeste, which is a game I beat the drum of very, very often, especially when it comes to the discussion about gatekeeping. Uh, they made a small change to the description description of the game's assist mode where they took out the word intended. Celeste was intended to be played at an ultra hard uh. level because it felt othering to people that needed the assist mode. Mm -hmm. They just removed that word and instantaneously everything becomes a little bit easier to not. E sorry, that's the wrong way to put it. Not easy easier to stomach it becomes yeah. just more accessible to people it doesn't feel yeah. othering it doesn't make you feel different that you need assists in order to play a brutally hard video game mm -hmm. sure so yeah. i know the new dlc just came out for it and i cannot wait to play it oh that's um, right yeah but uh one of the best things uh in this when, when he did this write-up he also called back to matt thorson who was the lead developer of celeste yeah. uh had this great tweet back when sekiro first came out that basically just outlined what he would make an assist mode for sekiro look like hmm. slow down combat speed add in resurrections be invisible while you're sneaking uh all of these are things that if sekiro i mean we're we're, we're you know that game was a huge part of the gatekeeping discussion when it first came out but if yeah. Sekiro had features like that mm -hmm. I would play Sekiro but yeah. as it stands like I don't have the time patience or energy to learn how to play an ultra hard brutal samurai combat game so mm -hmm. I'm not going to play it and that's yeah. losing a sale baby yeah mm -hmm. well you yeah gotta get, but it's also gotta get the money I don't think we need to tell the developers what to make mm -hmm. if a developer wants to make a game and their intention for the experience is for that game to be incredibly difficult, and that is just what they want to stick to, that's their prerogative. Mm -hmm. They can develop whatever game they want. If yeah. they want to, but however, why? add in, but just because maybe they do. I don't know. It it's, doesn't... Choice. it's how they're trying to do the gameplay. Zach, let me finish my point. <laughs> right. I, I, I hate the developer intent argument because I think it's a bad one. Sure. I, what I'm not, saying not is... Not to say that you're a stupid person, Andrew. I just think that it's a bad argument. Well, let me let me jump in here. Uh, Zach, you, uh, you, you once said... Well, once said on this podcast that when when you're choosing a game, you're not Five choosing minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, when you're choosing a game, right? Uh, to to play on your on your podcast, you're not choosing the most popular. You're choosing the one that you're passionate about, and people want you to play Sekiro, but you're not going to do that because your intention for the podcast is going to a JRPG, whatever you're passionate about. But then you could argue for the listener who wants you to talk about Sekiro. Oh, you lost a listen, but you're going on your intention though. What do you think about that? Okay, I think there's a difference between a podcaster choosing what games to play mm. and how to tailor your audience. Mm. I don't. I don't. Okay. I really don't. Because wait a minute, fairness, I caught myself. I caught myself yeah. in a logic loop. I caught me. I caught me. <laughs> a developer uh, is at a larger level and on a larger platform, possibly, but they are really, when it boils down to it, a content creator. Content mm. creators have every right 
to make whatever content they want and tailor it to whoever they want. They like every company I don't think needs to make every game for every gamer. Mm-hmm. What my issue is is if that company in maybe a future, you know, if Sekiro 2 comes out, maybe they don't install easy mode for this one but they do a Sekiro 2 and there is an easy mode. Yeah. The problem that I have then is the general populace that would be like, "Well, this isn't the way the game was meant to be." Ma-. If the publisher made it that way, then it is. Yeah. So you need to deal with it. I don't have a problem with the developers. I have a problem with the other gamers the gatekeeping gamers you know mm-hmm. yes saying that you need to play Sekiro or else you're not a true right gamer. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing it's, a, it's not really like what you say it's not the developer it's just there's art out there and everybody interprets art in their own way mm-hmm. uh by the way little side note it, we we talked a little bit about the hot ones episode with uh, Shia LaBeouf and I loved how <laughs> he said memes are an art anything that moves you is art and I was like yes. that blew yes. my mind um that's just the thing. It's the it's when the... did he get such a sexy voice? Can we can we talk about that for a minute? When did his voice get so sexy? Oh my god. Wow. When did Shia LaBeouf get a sexy voice? I want to know this. Stopped... And I want to know how I can copy when he that was voice. Done even this Stevens? voice not sexy. Yeah. Needs needs more sex factor. I gotta take lessons from Shia LaBeouf. Wow. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's just like it's it's I'm just gonna end it with wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that's just the thing though it's just like it's really the trying people. to up my sex factor here wow <laughs> Andrew help. Get the listeners in I gotta get sexy <laughs> help us Andrew I don't I don't know what to do in this situation sometimes <laughs> Zach goes off the rails and we just sort of let him talk and then I edit it afterwards yeah Andrew has this wonderful ability on an audio broadcast to shut down and stop talking yeah which really leads to fascinating dialogue mm-hmm. yeah i'm great at it <laughs> i'm a mime i'm a trained mime what do you want from me actually is a trained mime all i'm saying <laughs> yeah i think what it comes down to is that you're not a real gamer unless you've played four months of brain age train your brain for minutes a day i can accept that on the nintendo ds on the specifically the Nintendo DS. Yeah, if you ported if you it to another a, system or did a ROM, it, like you're not real. <laughs> yes, you are a fake gamer. Wow. Well, I hear police you sirens. You gotta play on original. Yeah, there. <laughs> the police are coming for me right yeah. now. Police, yeah, the police are here. <laughs> and so we, since we only have a few minutes left, uh, I want to end this on a positive note here. Uh, I want to ask. We haven't been positive this whole time. Well, I mean, like (laughs) we're we're talking about like the negative people in it and how it's toxic. But we want to bring more people, more human beings into video games. And I want to hear from briefly from all of us. Like, what are some positive experience you've experienced from other gamers or just from video games in general? Uh, Andrew, we'll start with you. Um, uh, I have kind of like, I guess, two things. So. Mm -hmm. First one just being I like earlier this year, I hate the restaurant industry. So I left Mm. it sort of thing. And I decided I was going to be a freelancer and attempt that. But that meant I was going to have significantly more free time in my life. Mm -hmm. So I said, hey, why don't I try and make like a gaming YouTube channel and maybe try some streaming and do all that kind of thing. Yeah. And while I have not kept that up that well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I finished one whole Let's Play in the entirety of the nine months that I've been doing this. Um. I, I still like there was this community, like the the community of people that I met on like Twitter and through YouTube and blah, 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 that was just like, man, the small content creator community in the gaming world is incredibly supportive. Yeah. And mm-hmm. considering all of my previous experiences with Twitter uh, being fairly toxic and fairly just like aggressive and angry, mm-hmm. I was shocked in a very pleasant way 
to come into this. And even with starting the podcast, like I'm largely the one who manages the Good Game, Great Game Twitter. Yeah. And it's it's been all positivity. It's been finding like other great podcasts like you guys who have just like showered support left and right with like, and everybody sort of returns it. And it's just this mutual, like, yeah. we're all doing this thing. We all love games. Let's let each other love them and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally, so like, man. that's fantastic. Um, and then on a, a smaller scale, it has, without gaming, I don't think Zach and I would be best friends. Mm. Oh, yeah. We, I, we I were think training. Our immediate, yeah. Our, we our were training at a shift. Like he was training me. Mm -hmm. um i had been away for a little bit and then come back and he had been hired while i was gone so like he he didn't know i was moving up to the position that he had been hired as he's training me we're talking he mentions offhand i think you mentioned like final fantasy right zach something uh, like that Final fantasy yeah. yeah and i started talking about it he was taken aback and then we just started talking and like it is history from there on yeah. it was too handsome to be into <laughs> final fantasy yeah, i was lost at his radiance oh <laughs> Zach. That's just because I'm really pale and the light was <laughs> the light was really blinding. I could not look at him. It's very angelic, you you might say. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about positive interactions with gamers? I sit down and do a podcast with two of my favorite gamers every single week. Yeah. So you know that's positive. But I would also say, like Adam, I think you're a big part of this. Uh, you brought together like a small community of of gaming podcast makers to do a fancy football league yeah. we're sitting there in a league with people from playable characters and co-op and uh that's a really really wonderful community that i think we've fallen into and i hope that we can foster something out of that so oh, you want to sure. talk about positive experiences with gamers like we're sitting in the middle of one right now mm -hmm. yeah so thank you for that oh yeah and that's the thing that was my intention was just like I, I really got inspiration if you go on YouTube and the whole animation squad with uh with James and Jaden Animations and um uh, I'm 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 losing names here but like there's a whole community there I'm like why isn't there like a game cast squad why isn't there like a whole community just for like video game podcasters and I just like reached out to like a bunch of people like hey man like let's just support each other let's just like get each other's backs here uh and I just want to build that community up just to like like what you said, build positivity in this in this light, you know. Mm -hmm. I think so completely. Like, yeah. Heck yeah, it's cool. It's good. I'm I'm I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone. You, uh, <laughs> uh, Liz. Let's end it uh, with what what are some positive experiences you've had? Um, mostly just doing this podcast because like i said when we started i was like well i'm not really a gamer mm -hmm. i had only played sims and life is strange and those that's a gamer baby those yeah. leap into <laughs> learning games when i was the kid yeah so did you play brain age <laughs> um i think i did once or twice see you're in we're folks big time gamer <laughs> big brain gamer she's but a bbg and, folks and that's the thing I came in as I was like, oh, I'm not really a gamer, but like people accepted me on the podcast mm -hmm. and they watch my Let's Plays and people actually enjoy my Let's Plays, which is strange to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's just that. It's just like the acceptance mm -hmm. of me entering this community. Exactly. No, And that's the thing. There's just so much positivity in gaming culture. And, and the, the mass media wants you to believe that gamers are toxic. We're the lamestream media wants yeah. you to believe that gamers are bad. We're evil. For the most part, they are. <laughs> <laughs>
And I feel like there's toxic people in any sort of light you put them in. There's there's toxic fans in sports, <clears throat> Eagles fans. Um, but oh, there's yeah. there's toxic people <laughs> everywhere. Uh, I went to an Eagles preseason game two years ago. They were playing the Bills. Yeah. And legit, the dude next to me was about to deck me if the Bills had pulled off that game-winning drive. Yeah, like, I'm sorry for my people. Look, I, yeah. I, I think your team is great and everything. I never want to be caught dead at at financial field again. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-uh. Why do you think I moved out of Philadelphia? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is a good place to end. Just saying that like there's gatekeepers out there, but we're trying to snuff that mindset out and, and just like not even trying to put on the label of gamer putting in that box, but everybody should enjoy what they should enjoy. Media is just that. It's media that we consume and that we enjoy life with. Uh, and I know you guys got to go in a minute, so I'll just end it with that. Uh, but before we do, I'm rolling out the red carpet. What do you guys think? What? Tell me about your podcast. Uh, where can we find you? Yeah, Good Game, Great Game is available on your podcatcher of choice. Mm. We are a video game book club for people that hate paper cuts and love button mashing. Uh, we mostly talk about football and mental health and sometimes video games. <laughs> Uh, right now, we are in the middle of discussing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Next week is our big 50th episode, Bonanza. We'll Boom. be doing something a uh, little fun and special for the longtime fans of the show. Uh, and we have episodes on Out of Wilds and Untitled Goose Game coming up in the pipeline. Ooh. And now Brain Age. I'm, naked, I'm proclaiming it here, folks. <laughs> Good game, great game does Brain Age. Big brain, it. great brain. Uh, that's our show. Yeah. Uh, check it out. Please. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is Good Great Game on both of those platforms. Mm-hmm. I am Papa Bear Zach. He is Andrew Orsi on those platforms as well. Uh, do your Apple Arcade free trial because there's good stuff there. Mm-hmm. And uh, look both ways before you cross the street. That's that's our official stance on roads. Nice. Yeah. And, and if you're a gatekeeping gamer, I have two words for you. Do it. Rain Stop age. it. but only high-pitched like that (laughs) please no don't so i will have their stuff linked down below i will also have their radio public linked down below radio public is a great platform that uh that i i was gonna say inspires but it's not inspires It, it it's to I forget the word, but they help out. Reprimand. It slaps us on the wrist when we've been bad. <laughs> yeah. They help out independent podcasters. Support. Like, they support. There's the word. Awesome. It's the yeah. morning, by the way. It is the morning. Uh, and I'm just going to end it with there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Gaming Groceries. Find us on Instagram. Games and Groceries, all one word. You can find us on our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all the podcasts from there, as well as find out where you can listen to the audio versions of the podcast. So uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, Andrew Orsi, Zach Rich, for joining us on this episode. And uh, For having us. Oh, yeah, no problem. It, it's been a yeah. blast. Thank you, guys, again. It's been great. Appreciate you both, Adam and Liz. It's been good, great. <laughs> and the uh-huh. pupper, send my love. Floki, he sends his love. He's He's like, that's nice. (laughs) We will see you all next week.